by singing about that this morning. So you listen as we sing, Christ be magnified. creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings, I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified.
hope that is your prayer, and that's our prayer today. And our, our goal here at Bible Baptist is that we would learn together through the uh, preaching of God's word and through the edification of the saints to learn how to magnify Christ with our lives. And we want to sing his praises this morning. So if you would stand with us, we're going to begin by singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We'll lift our hearts and our voices to him this morning. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. how great our God is. And so let's lift our voices together and sing, How Great Thou Art. Shall come with shout of acclamation. 
singing that many of you for a long time uh, and the reason we can sing that song for years and years and decades and generations is because God is the same yesterday today forever he's faithful and so we're gonna sing another song this last one lift our voices together great is thy faithfulness let's sing it together Lord unto me great is thy greatest verses of song I believe that's ever written. Let's think about how God is faithful in our sins and to forgive us of our sins. Let's sing together, pardon for sin. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to Good morning. So glad that you're here. And I love the music this morning. And I uh, heard the, a trio sing a song that was a little bit newer for some of you that you maybe haven't heard before. And that's great. And there's some debate in the church world. What's better, the new songs or the old songs? And what I say? Both. All right? Why not? I mean, if, it, if it's old truth, I, I like the new song every so often and hear something a, a different way. As long as it's old truth. But I love those old songs, too, because the truth doesn't change. And so I think it's okay for young people to sing old songs and old people to sing new songs. It's okay. We can all do that together. And so thank you, Trio, for that uh, uh, music this morning and for you guys 
participate in our congregational singing. We love to sing. I know it's a little weird with a mask on, and uh, but we do it anyway, right? Because we're singing uh, not to uh, ourselves, but to the Lord, right? And he hears through the mask. It's okay, right? And uh, the Lord is the spectator while you're singing. And he's listening to you, and he's hearing you, not the notes that you sing, but the, the meaning from your heart. And so uh, if you can't sing, if you sing from your heart, God hears that. And if you can sing and you don't sing from your heart, it doesn't matter to God, right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, the Bible says. And I, and I take that literally, very literally, all right? So great. Well, that's the things to talk about today. Uh, pastor has been preaching about rebuilding, and now um, with uh, some things opening up a little bit, we can kind of rebuild some of our programming a little bit. So we're slowly reopening some things. Uh, we're trying to do it cautiously, carefully, but we're ready to move forward. And we are, we've sat still too long, and we're excited about that. So tonight, we're going to have our first communion service in months, all right? And here's how we're going to do it. I have with me right here the communion cup that you'll get, all right? If you can't see that, I do hold have something in my hand. It's very small. But it's, uh, it does have uh, on top a cracker and inside a juice. And so we will um, have those on a table as you come in. We won't pass them out. We'll have you as you come in. Take one. Uh, sit in your seat. We'll probably use the two center sections as best we can. Uh, we'll still maintain uh, the distance and all that kind of stuff. We'll do all that just like we usually do, uh, but we'll sit in the center sections. Uh, pastor will preach to us, and then at the end, after the preaching, he'll do the communion service. And so we don't, <laughs> when you come in, don't open anything up. Just hold on to that, and then he'll walk you through each of the elements as we go through the scriptures together. So it'll be a great time. We encourage you to come tonight, and that is for people who are saved and baptized. And, and uh, whether you're a member of our church or a church like our church or would be a member of our church, uh, if you're that uh, that background, we want you to come and participate with us. But it's those for saved and baptized, all right? And that's what we're going to do tonight uh, as a church. And so if you want to come, that's at 6 o'clock tonight. There will not be live stream tonight. So if you are not able to make it, don't go to Facebook. We won't be on tonight. It'll just be a, a private service here. And I'm looking forward to that as a church, to do that again together. Again, something we haven't done for a while because of all the restrictions, all right? So that's what's going on. Tuesday, we do have Bearing Precious Seeds. So last week, we took the week off. Uh, but this week, we're back at it. We got some more... Um, um, are the signatures in, so we're ready to go, move forward with that. Um, some exciting news coming in for Bearing Precious Seed. I can't tell you the details yet, but uh, big news is on the horizon again for Bearing Precious Seed. God provides in crazy ways, and we're trying to reach every home in Canada with a part of the Bible, which is a crazy big dream for a church in St. Thomas, but we're over halfway there. And by God's grace, we have uh, the money on hand, and we have a church in the States that has partnered with us, and they've already bought the materials to go ahead and produce all the John and Romans we need for the whole province of Manitoba. So it's our goal uh, as a church to mail to the entire province of Manitoba in maybe a one or two shots in the same period of time as well as at the same time having a social media campaign in that to get the gospel into homes, both in their mailbox and their social media. So first time we've ever done that. Um, and you have a part of that. As you give through the uh, giving of your church, whether it be online or through the little donation box we have in the back, that goes toward those different ministries. Our missions, part of our missions goes toward burying precious seeds. So all that. So but this Tuesday, we need your help. We want to come out at 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, and we will have coffee and snacks for you. All right? Then Wednesday, we have our first real broadcast of our new program slash podcast for calling a call them both so we're meeting here live i'd like to invite you live here and it'll be a, a panel discussion this week we'll have al houston uh he is the funeral director at williams funeral home been here for many many years very well known very well liked in our community he's going to talk about grief and loss and we're going to try to give people uh through uh, a live stream and through a, a, a of meeting here and also through a podcast, Hope and Peace in Grief and Loss through a biblical perspective on grief and loss. We call it our little program, It's Worth a Thought. We want people to consider the Bible perspective. We believe the Bible has the answers, and there are people in our society that never have considered the Bible as an answer, and we want them to give that consideration, right? So that's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We invite you to come to the auditorium. If not, tune in online, and we invite you to share that with other people that you might know are going through those situations, all right? All right. I'm 
moving on, we got lots to talk about Saturday morning at 6 a.m. And we announced this at our at our meeting last week, and some of you moaned and groaned. 6 a.m. We have a men's meeting. We're gonna do it once a month. We're gonna read through a book together. We're gonna uh, iron sharpens iron, and so we're gonna have a bunch of some guys that get together, and it may be Pastor Yeomans, myself, and Pastor Levi. Um, but I'm excited about it. I, I love to sleep in on Saturday, but. I have no problem getting off when someone says, hey, let's go golfing or let's go fishing or let's go not hunting for me, but something else. Like you guys, you guys know how that works. If someone says, hey, I got two tickets to the Raptors game, but you got to get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday, I'll be up at 5. No problem. I want to go. Like that's, if it's important to me, I get up. And we want this to be important to you, and we don't want to take up your whole day on a Saturday. And so we're making it so you have to make a commitment. 6 a.m., come, bring your own coffee. Uh, wipe the sleep out of your eyes, put a ball cap on your head if you have to, whatever, just come. We don't care what you look like, all right? Just, you don't need to dress up, just be the guys, and we're going to meet here at the church, and uh, we're going to talk about what our first book together is going to be. But it's, it's all about um, us helping each other be the men of God that we ought to be. And our church will go as far as we as individuals grow. And so our guys are going to try to grow together starting this Saturday at 6 a.m. I stutter when I say it. Saturday at 6 a.m. All right. Um, and then 4 p.m. the same day, we have a young adults activity uh, out at BPS. will be outdoors, and we're just praying for good weather. We're trying to keep things outdoors because it you know keeps our numbers up and keeps it safer. So uh, for our young adults, that's 4 p.m., and uh, that'll be on Saturday as well at our property on Highbury. Uh, next Sunday, we're excited about this as well. We are going to reopen uh, with guidelines from the government our nursery and our uh, kids program on Sunday morning, all right? So we will have a kids church at the 11 o'clock service only, all right? So we're going to have, basically what we're going to do is we're going to keep doing our kids church online that we're doing. That's not going to change. And then we're going to take kids next door. They're going to watch that program together and then do some crafts and stuff together. We're allowed to do that by um, some guidelines of the government, so we'll be very safe about that. We'll be sending an email out to parents this week to let you know what that's, you know, how that actually looks. That's going to start next week. Uh, nursery will provide it at 11 o'clock service only. All right, so it'll be a nursery and our kids program that will start next week at 11. Uh, details will come, all right, but we're excited about that. Um, you know, it hurts us to think of all the, some of you don't know this, on Wednesday night we used to have 120 kids and teenagers that would be brought in every Wednesday night to our church through three buses that we ran, and that quit, you know, March, and we have, we've, we don't have much contact with those kids. That bothers us. Uh, if, if, every time I drive by the, s the streets of St. Thomas, I think of these kids that have not had um, training in the things of the Lord and, and have been, they, they haven't told them that Jesus loves them in, in six months. And so we look forward to the day that we can get back to that. We can't get back to that yet, um, but this is one step. And so it just be, uh, you know, those who come to the morning service will be going next door if they would like to. Again, uh, kids are welcome to stay in the adult service with their parents. That's fine. Whatever you feel comfortable with, that's great. But uh, we will have that available for those that want it next Sunday. All right? And then just something to look ahead a little bit to, Thanksgiving weekend is coming up in a couple weeks. What we're going to do that weekend is a little different. We used to do things called sh um, short and sweet Sundays. So we'd have some food together and that. We're kind of restricted in that a little bit. So this is going to look a little different this year too. I just talked to Pastor Yomas about this last night. So it was kind of just a fresh idea. So what we're going to do is going to have our 915 service like usual. Uh, between the services, we'll have, uh, weather permitting, a table set up with some donuts outside, all right, so you can eat some, eat a donut and fellowship a little bit while the other service comes in. We can only have a, a hundred people on property, so if we tell you to get out, then get ready to get out, so but we think we can have most everybody here in and out, you know, and we can kind of see each other, because some of you 915 years never see the 11 o'clockers, you know, right? <laughs> we're, we're still part of the same church, and we want you to kind of see each other's face again. It's nice, it wasn't nice at the church property last week to have everybody there and, and see we had about 100 people there 90 I think 95 with people in the cars almost 100 people there last week and it's good to see faces and that uh, so we'll do that again uh, you can fellowship out there and then we'll have our 11 o'clock service and then there won't be an evening service that week there'll be something online we'll have online content for you that you can watch anytime on Sunday for yourself or later in the week all right so uh, a short and sweet Sunday looks a little different but just kind of give the idea that's Thanksgiving weekend all right so that's a lot of announcements I know uh, I'll be outside to answer any questions for you all right thank you so much listen now as pastor preaches to us all right thank you pastor Holland I appreciate that and uh, I want to encourage you to pray for all of these things. We've got a lot that we've done 
feels like feels like we've done nothing over the last several months, but uh, obviously we've done a lot there as well. But now, well, we've got a lot of things for you to do. But uh, don't forget the power of prayer in all of this. And so I would ask you to begin praying for these things. And it's uh, something that we seriously need to continue looking at and continue praying for because it's super important uh, that we, we follow up with this. And I also wanted to mention that uh, Lindsay Love passed away this week. And uh, I don't know if any of you heard that or not, but uh, he passed away of a heart attack on Tuesday afternoon. They went up to um, Listowel area, and uh, he drove up there and uh, ended up, uh, they had a big lunch up there and spent, spent some time up there. And then uh, he handed the keys to his son-in-law and said, you drive, and he began to put his seatbelt on, and that was the end of it. And uh, so he passed away this week, uh, 90, 90 years old and a day. Just, just celebrated his 90th uh, birthday. The, the funeral was uh, Friday at uh, 2 o'clock in Milton, and so I was able to officiate that, and so we had the opportunity to um, just continue to uh, you know, try to be a blessing to the family. So I would encourage you just to give her a call, let her know that you're thinking about her, praying for her. If you need that number, you can call the church office, and we'll help you get that. All right? Take your Bibles. Turn to Ezra. Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. We're going to continue our series on rebuilding, and I am excited about the things that we have coming, but even more excited than helping to rebuild the church, I'm excited for some of us, hopefully all of us, to begin looking at ways in our lives that we can rebuild and get closer to God and have a better relationship with God. Ezra chapter 1, I want to start off um, by getting you to think about the fact that there's one in every family. There's one in every family, isn't there? You have no idea what I'm even talking about, but you know there's one in every family. There's one person who is an absolute expert in explaining the worth of something. No, not crazy. I didn't say that. Not uh, out of their minds. No, these are people who are so convinced in their minds that they have something, uh, they have to have this thing right away because it is worth it. They have to have it right now. Then there are the others. They're the skeptical ones. Who, if never forced to buy anything ever, they would never buy anything. Their houses would never be updated. They would have paneling on it from the 1940s. These people are perfectly content with what they have. They are not looking to get or do any more than what they're currently doing. They think everything new is not made as well as it used to be. And they will not be convinced that it's worth the money spent. We had to replace our furnace not that long ago. I've said this multiple times, and we had an old one. And I'm telling you what, they don't make them like they used to. They don't make them like they used to. And you want to think, you know, well, it's not worth the money to buy a new one. I'm going to put the money into the old one. And you become a little bit skeptical. In my marriage relationship, I am the dud. I'm the skeptical one. I'm the one who never wants to spend any money. I'm the, the one who never wants to update anything. I'm the one who just wants to stay in my rut. That's where I want to stay. I'm skeptical. I'm reserved. I don't want to be convinced. Don't even try to convince me that it's worth it. I don't want to be convinced. Now you can guess who the other one is. My wife, on the other hand, is the expert. She has an innate ability to see the value in something very easily. Many times we had conversations about things. And she would say, listen, it's worth it. And I would say, well, look at how much money it costs. Yes, but it will last us a long time. And we've had these conversations going uh, back and forth. She is convinced and I am skeptical. The great thing about my wife and those types of people is that she believes in the product or service. She believes in it. She thinks this is the next best thing to slice bread. It is something so spectacular that we have to have it now, and I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing. I'm trying to say that's a good thing because on the other hand, there's me who never does anything. I need a little kick in the seat of the pants every once in a while. To get up and get moving. You see, she has faith. She believes in the product or service. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. 
When you believe in something, the cost becomes nominal. When you believe in something, the cost just becomes nominal. Yeah, yeah, it might be three, four, five hundred dollars. It doesn't matter. I believe in that product and I believe it's worth it. When you buy name brand clothing, <laughs> it's expensive. But sometimes it's worth it and you don't even look at the cost. You just say, I know that this is worth it. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled this morning, The Belief to Rebuild. The Belief to to rebuild. As we look at the story of Ezra, and even if you look into Nehemiah, we can see faith written all over these stories. These people, if you'll kind of just browse through Ezra chapter 1 with me, you see that their hands were strengthened, that they are raised and they go up to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and it begins, even though Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of uh, Mithra, numbered them to Shebaz, Shebar, Shebazrezer, the prince of Judah, and then it just continues, and then in verse chapter 3, you begin to see how, uh, how they went and what they did, and in chapter 2, you see everybody who went. It's, you, you have to have faith in order to go back to Jerusalem, leave where you were and understand the cost and see all that's entailed and go back and rebuild the temple of God that is in Jerusalem. These people knew what it was going to cost. They knew the sacrifices that they would have to make. They knew the time it was going to take. They knew the resources that it was going to take. Yet instead of running away from the cost, they embrace it. Oftentimes we look at costs like me and I go, That's the, listen, if I'm buying anything, I don't care what it looks like, the first thing I look at is a price tag. I don't care if I like it, I don't care if my wife likes it, I don't care what it looks like. I am looking at the price tag because I run away from the cost. But these people embrace the cost. Because why? They believed in it. They believed in the cause. They believed it could be done. They saw the need. They had the desire. And they believed it was worth the cost. I want you to write this down as well. Very simply, victory begins in the mind. Victory begins in the mind. You must believe it can be done. I remember a long time ago now when I used to lift weights. My uncle was in the Marine Corps, and he had lifted weights and done a lot of things and uh, had learned quite a few things in his life. And one of the things I remember him telling me is, if you can conquer it in your mind, you can lift it. And so I remember thinking, I can't do this. And guess what? Every time, I couldn't do it. Every time you think you can't, you're right. As I began to think, I'm going to lift this. I can lift this. And I began lifting it and lifting it, lifting weights that I never imagined that I could lift. I was able to do that. Listen, victory begins in the mind. You must believe it can be done. I read a quote a couple weeks ago by John C. Maxwell. I'll just give you the bullet points here. But it says this, belief encourages anticipation. Anticipation creates intention. Intention helps us prioritize focus. Focus helps us see opportunity. Only when we see the opportunity are we able to take action on it. When we do, it inflames our passion to do more good, and that in turn fuels our belief, and the cycle begins all over again. This is a circle you definitely want to keep unbroken. See, when you believe something, you begin anticipating it. When you believe that something good is going to happen, it all starts with belief. It all starts with the faith that it can be done. When you believe it can be done, you anticipate it being done. I know that God can save my neighbor. I know that God can rebuild my life. And you begin anticipating that it can be done. A lot of times you can't sleep at night because of the anticipation. I'm so excited. We used to do that when we used to go to Wonderland. You knew it was coming. You believed it was going to happen in the anticipation. You just couldn't wait for it. And you would wake up in the morning and you would just feel so tired but so excited. The anticipation gets so high that you begin intentionally moving forward toward that goal. 
Man, I, I just want to move forward. I just want to be there. I'm so anticipating this. I want to move forward. You begin to focus closer. And as you focus closer, you begin to see opportunities to begin acting toward the goal. And when we act right away, we get even more passionate about the direction we are headed. And our belief becomes even stronger. And it's a wonderful circle. I want you to understand, victory begins in the mind. So what are you trying to say, Pastor Owens? I want you to see this. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 to 5, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, victory starts with faith. Victory starts with faith. Listen, if you want to rebuild your life, you must have faith that it can be done. You must have a belief in the project. You must have belief in what God is trying to do in your life. It can be done. I want to show you two things very simply this morning that we need to have faith in. Number one, we need to have faith in God. Faith in God. You see this verse, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in God. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is why we get to have faith. This is why we get to be victorious. This is why we are more than conquerors, Romans chapter 8. Because of the faith that we put in our God. Nothing can stand against our God. If God be for us, who can be against us? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Yeomans, I'm trying to rebuild my life and I, I believe that it can be done, but I'm just, I just, I don't know what God is trying to do. Well, look at this verse again. It's very simple. Being confident. Having faith. And if you look up that word confidence in the dictionary, Strong's Dictionary especially, uses the term belief or faith. I am confident. I believe. I am sure. I have faith of this very thing that God, that started a good work in me, We'll do it. We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, God wants to do a work in you. God wants the very best for your life. He does not want you to live a defeated life. Many of you may sit here this morning and live a defeated life. I just can't move forward. I just can't do this. And you're just defeated all the time. And all my circumstances, all my surroundings, everything's bad. Everything's horrible. I can't do anything to change them. I can't rebuild my life. God does not want you to live in that defeated life. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life. But not give us life, but to give it more abundantly. God God doesn't want you to be down and depressed. God doesn't want you to be uh, frustrated and anxious. God doesn't want you to uh, be completely distraught. He wants you to be excited and have the joy of the Lord and have peace that passes all understanding and have love that he loved everybody with. God wants you to have all of those things. He wants you to live a life and life more abundantly. He doesn't want you to dredge through this life. So you might ask this question, well, does that mean everything's going to be easy breezy then? Not at all. Not at all. But understand this. When you have faith in the Creator God, you can have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Did anybody catch the one I missed? I started with it. Faith is in there. You see, faith is a fruit of the Spirit, and when you have a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says you are a, it is a package deal. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit of the Spirit. 
It's a package deal when you have the Holy Spirit of Christ living inside of you and you have the faith in God that he can rebuild your life. Understand, you will have all of those things. You can, you're going to go through immense pressure. You're going to go through immense uh, hard times. You're going to go through things that you never imagined you could possibly go through, yet you will have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance. You will have all of those things. So you might sit here this morning and ask yourself the question, well, how? How do I have faith in God? How, how do I have faith in Almighty God? Well, obviously, faith comes easier to some people than others. If I was to take all of you up about 15,000 feet into an airplane, strap a parachute on your back and say, jump, how many of you would do that? We've got like three people. I'd do it in a heartbeat. You see, the problem is many of us don't trust the thing that's on our back, do we? Well, how do I know this is going to open? Well, you have a backup parachute, just for the record. Well, what if that fails? And you begin playing this what-if game, and you begin thinking, oh, I don't know how to do it. Others of us are like, who cares? Like, just jump. You want to push that person that's in front of you. that. <laughs> You see, how do you have faith? How, how do you just jump out? Some it comes easier, others it doesn't. I want you to understand that the Jews at this time, especially looking with me in Ezra again, who I know we've focused on this verse quite a bit, but I want you to see this. Then, verse 5, then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised. The fact of the matter is this. God had stirred the hearts of the Jewish people. God had stirred the hearts of these specific people. When their hearts were stirred by God, guess what they did? They did exactly what God asked them to do. When their hearts were stirred by God, they did exactly what God asked them to do. I ask you the same question. How do you have faith in God? To quote Nike, just do it. Just do it. You say, Pastor, it's hard. Yes, I understand it's hard. Just do it. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, a verse probably all of you know. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Just do it. Just do it. I can do all things. Listen, Peter walked on the water. And some of us go, oh, what a loser. He lost faith. He took his eyes off Jesus. Get real, people. He had the faith to step out on the water. He just did it. He just did it. The children of Israel walking across the Red Sea on dry ground. There's not one person that thought, I wonder if these things are going to hold up long enough for us to walk through. But they had faith. And they walked through the Red Sea. They just did it. You say, Pastor Yolmans, that's, that's too hard for me. I can't do that. I'm too scared. Listen, that doesn't mean you're not going to be scared, okay? There have been times I remember, again, roofing my house. You step out on the edge and you go, whoa, that's a long way down there. And yes, the shingles on the edge need to be done. So you just do it. And by the end of the roof, guess what you're doing? You're basically hanging off the roof with one hand smacking nails on the other. Because you, you want, after you've done it, it just gets easier. Does that mean you won't be scared? No. Does that mean there won't be some hesitation? No. These Jews here in Ezra just did it. 
They just went, they believed God. They had faith in the God who had stirred their hearts. Listen, does that mean you should go sticking your hand in a pit full of snakes to make sure that God is going to, uh, you have faith and make sure you're gonna please God by, no. When God calls you to do something, that's when you step out in faith. When God says to you and he stirs your heart and says, hey, I want you to rebuild your life on the principles of my word, and I want you to rebuild your life on me, okay, you step out and you do it. Hey, I want you to start giving to missions. God, I can't afford it. God stirs your heart, just do it. God, God tells you, hey, I want to stir your heart so that you become a missionary, a, a pastor, a preacher, whatever you want to put in there. And God says, I'm stirring your heart to do so. You say, God, I can't, I can't, I can't. Moses did that, didn't he? Burning bush. God says to Moses, I want you to go and be the spokesman for me to my people. And he says, I can't. I have a speech impediment. I can't do it. I can't do it. Listen, God will provide where he guides. He will be there. He will help you through. You must have faith in God. If God wants you to rebuild your life, you can. You can through his power. It's got to be through his power. Power, number one, we have to have faith in God. Number two, I want you to see faith in the purpose. Faith in the purpose. Again, these Jews had faith in their purpose. They believed in what they were going to do. They could see the need. They could see that the temple was lying in ruin. They knew that the temple being in ruin was a picture of the spiritual condition of God's people. We'll look at that next week. The temple lying there was a picture of what, what God was not doing in the lives of the Jewish people. And they knew that they needed to make a change. They knew that they needed to do something about it. The purpose was not just to erect a building and call it a temple. Listen, anybody can do that. Anybody can erect a building and just call it a temple. The purpose was to please and glorify God. I'm going to need to say that again. The purpose was not just to erect a building and call it, call it a temple. The purpose was to please and glorify God. Listen, understand me. There are successful people in this world. They have rebuilt their lives. They have done wonderfully amazing things. Listen, that is not the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is to please and glorify God. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of your life? The purpose of rebuilding your life is not so you can be more successful. The purpose of rebuilding your life is not so you can be more popular. The purpose of rebuilding your life is not so you can please yourself. The purpose of rebuilding your life is to please the one who created you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith... It is impossible to please him. Did you catch that? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. If, you're, if that's our goal, to please God, then we must step out in faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Step out in faith. Let me ask you this question. Who is pleased with your life right now? Who is pleased with your life right now? Family? Friends? Your neighbors? Who is pleased with your life right now? God? How about Satan? 
You look at your life right now, would you say that God is pleased with my life or Satan? I want you to understand something. You are pleasing someone. You are pleasing someone. If you, your life lay in shambles right now, you are pleasing Satan. That's exactly where Satan wants you to be. He does not want you pleasing and glorifying God. He wants your life to lie in ruin for years and years and years. He wants you to waste your life. Again, if you know anything about the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, you know that there were people that were trying to keep the temple in ruin. They were trying to keep the walls down because that was a shame to the children of Israel. That's exactly what Satan wants to do in your life. And so if you let it lay there, you are pleasing Satan. If you're living your life for yourself, then you are pleasing yourself. If you're living your life for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, trying to keep up with the Joneses, then you're living your life to please them. Listen, those are all things that go away. They will pass away. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Please God. It takes faith to please God. It takes faith to rebuild your life. I'm reminded of a story that I heard a long time ago called the unmoved rock. The unmoved rock. Once upon a time, there was a man who was sleeping at night in his cabin when suddenly his room filled with light and the Savior appeared. The Lord told the man he had work for him to do and showed him a large rock in front of his cabin. The Lord explained that the man was to push against the rock with all his might. This the man did, day after day. For many years he toiled from sunup to sundown. His shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing with all his might. Each night, the man returned to his cabin sore and worn out. Feeling that his whole day had been spent in vain, seeing that the man was showing signs of discouragement, Satan decided to enter the picture, placing thoughts into the man's mind such as, you have been pushing against that rock for a long time, and it hasn't budged. Why kill yourself over this? You are never going to move it thus giving man the impression that the task was impossible and that he was a failure. These thoughts discouraged and disheartened man even more. Why kill myself over this, he thought. I'll just put in my time giving the minimum of effort and that will be good enough. And that he planned to do. Until one day he decided to make it a matter of prayer. And to take his troubled thoughts to the Lord. Lord, he said, I have labored, labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do that which you have asked. Yet, after all this time, I have not even budged the rock a half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? To this the Lord responded compassionately. My child, when long ago... I asked you to serve me and you accepted. I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push. And now you come to me, your strength spent, thinking that you have failed, but... Is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back sinewed and brown. Your hands are calloused from constant pressure. And your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition you have grown much. And your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. Yet you haven't moved the rock. But your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. This you have done. I, my child, will now move the rock. 
Source is unknown. I want you to understand something. Sometimes we look at our lives and we go, what is the point? You might feel like rebuilding your life is like pushing against an unmovable rock. And you might look back at your life and you go, what have I really accomplished? What have I really done in my life? And God says to you, did you glorify me? Did you put your faith and trust in me? Did you simply do what I asked you to do and allow me to have the wisdom? And I believe this with all my heart. In time, God will move the rock. God will begin allowing you to see major results in your life. Things that you never dreamed possible. God wants you to continue to push against your life. Push against the thoughts, the feelings of, uh, of failure. To push aside the thoughts and feelings of I can't do this. Just keep pushing. I want to encourage you, just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. It can be done. I want to leave you with one verse. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. The story is, they were, a man comes to the disciples with his son. The son is possessed of the demon. The disciples try to cast the demon out, but are not able to. Jesus does, and the disciples ask, why could we not cast him out? And he says, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain... Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Watch this. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Faith rebuilds. You must have a belief to rebuild. You must trust in God. Listen, we trust in God for salvation. We trust in God as our personal Savior. We understand that we're a sinner. We understand that that sin separates us from God. We understand that, that we, uh, we need someone to reconcile our sin for us. We cannot do it on our own. We weren't there the day Jesus Christ died on the cross. We weren't there to see him hang and see his body torn apart see the sin of the entire world placed upon him, and see God turn his back on him. But if we have faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. He paid the penalty for our sin. We believe that. We believe in God, and we believe in the purpose. Purpose, Jesus came, was to seeking to save that which is lost, to draw sinners to him. And yet, throughout our lives, we forget. And we look at our lives and we say, ah, there's no way it could possibly happen. It's not worth it. The cost is too much. But yet God, I hope, has stirred your heart to rebuild on him, to take the principles of his word Begin rebuilding your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You've got to believe it can be done. And through God, there is nothing that is impossible. Nothing. So I want to challenge you this morning. It takes belief. It takes faith to rebuild. Just keep pushing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. And I thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. Thank you for the example of these Jews that just in faith believed you, got up, believed in the purpose, and began walking to Jerusalem, began rebuilding a temple. 
Father, as we look at our lives, help us to believe it can be done. We can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We can be a man or a woman after God's own heart. We can be called the friend of God. It can be done if if we will trust you. And Father, you will begin to move mountains that we never thought possible. I pray that today, if there's one here today that does not know you as personal Savior, they've never trusted in you before. And I pray that today would be their day of salvation. I pray that they would know you, accept you, believe that you died on the cross, take away our sins. Father, for those that know you as personal Savior, then I pray today that would, they would again put their faith in you to rebuild their lives and faith in the purpose of glorifying you and pleasing you in everything that we do. I pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed at the time. Write something down. I challenge you to take a piece of paper out and a pen or get your phone out and type something in. We want to make a decision. Maybe your decision today is, God, just give me faith. God, help me to take the steps I need to take to rebuild my life. Maybe you need to pray and ask God or write down, don't let fear overtake me. Just simply help me to live by faith and please you. Let's take some time right now to write something down. All right, I hope you've taken some time to write something down and make some sort of